All right. Here we go. So this is the uh, Coach Haas podcast sponsored by Sports Rehab PA. And today uh, I have Dr. Mike St. George and a guest, Kevin Miller. I'm going to have Kevin Miller introduce himself to us. Michael, how you doing over there? You good? Yeah, just getting a little more light. There we go. We're okay. good. All right. Awesome. I'm, I'm, I've been practicing with it still. I still do a lot of yelling. Michael and I have talked about this. So we're going to try not to yell over top of one another. I'm going to try to use my indoor voice. There you go. at home for using my coaching voice. So I'm going to yeah, yeah, try yeah. to go with a little bit lower voice tonight. All right. Awesome. Awesome. All right, Kevin, go ahead. Well, I, I appreciate you, you know, inviting me on the show and, and have a conversation. So yeah, my name is Kevin Miller. I, I live in Springfield, Delaware County. And uh, currently I am the director of sports performance at Villanova University. So been there for three years. Uh, very fortunate to work at Villanova. Before that, I worked for the Philadelphia Union. So um, you know, right now, my full-time role is, again, Director of Sports Performance at Villanova. And what I do with that is oversee the whole strength and conditioning department or sports performance department. Uh, some of the teams I work with are men's soccer. I assist with women's soccer, women's basketball, really a bunch of different teams there. We have a, we have a really, really good team of sports performance coaches over there. Incredible administration, very, very supportive. So um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to come out and talk and, and just share some ideas and, and, you know, help each other out. Awesome. Awesome. Michael, anything for Kevin there? So, uh, well, currently right now, um, like, what are you doing? How are you dealing with this whole COVID situation and dealing with the athletes staying in touch? Like, what, what are you doing right now? Yeah, I mean, every single day, you know, is every single day changes. But right now, right now, the, the athletes won't be coming back, you know, as of right now till, till the summertime. We're basically just kind of waiting to hear, you know, what the NCA, what the university, what the president decides, what um, the governor decides. So obviously we're just in a, in a holding pattern right now. But the athletes have all gotten their, their training programs. And uh, so they're, they're, they got them all through the summer. And really just trying to stay connected exactly like we're doing right now. Just right. you know, a handful of Zoom meetings each week and sending them programs, nutrition tips, and, and just trying to stay connected. So, I mean, the school finished last week. Um, you know, obviously graduation, the kids have been gone for a while. But just like past summers, you know, basically they get the program and just try to give them good guidance throughout the summer. But right now it's, it's one of those things where there's so much, you know, we don't know what's going to happen right now. And, and really our, our role right now is just try to stay connected with the athletes and, and really just try to build up their, their confidence, you know, the mindset of the athletes with, with the hope and, and the plan that we're going to come back. So right now they're just, they're, we're just trying to stay connected with them to, to the best of our ability. And, and we have amazing athletes at Villanova, very, very yeah. talented, excellent athletes. And really the, you know, the zoom, the remote coaching, it, you know, it is what it is. It, there's, there's limitations, but you know, I think when we get back, everybody is going to be um, you know, very excited to get back and, and eager to get back. But, Right now, everything is obviously just remote and just sending them the workouts. They're getting videos of, of everything and just trying to stay connected that way. What are some of your concerns coming back when they start to come back? You know, because yeah. they're not really in the weight rooms the same way. Some of them don't have access to, to much at all. Some may right. have access, but coming back, what are the concerns? Because it clearly is not going to be the same type of, all right, we're, are you ready? Now, I'm thinking – we're talking a little more specific to, to soccer since right. we're with the union. You do a right. lot with, the, with the, the soccer teams there. So just talking men's and women's, what are your biggest concerns with those teams coming back when you are? Yeah, I mean, 
Yeah, obviously the the detraining side of it. Like we we've given programs where we've given body weight programs. Athletes have limited equipment, so we've given you know workouts with body weight. We've given workouts with dumbbells and kettlebells. But the the big concern for me is is the detraining and and the mindset. I, you know, I really look at it and say. I think when we get good news that, that, you know, we'll be coming back when that happens, mm-hmm. I think athletes, that's going to really, that's going to motivate them even more. So from a fitness standpoint, I, I know the athletes right now are, are doing workouts. Obviously they're limited as to what they can do. But for me, the, the concerns are, you know, soft tissue injuries. That's the number one thing that, that I want to try to, to reduce, you know, any likelihood of that happening because, you know, the athletes have been gone since, you know, since mid-March. And, you know, as of right now, you know, we could potentially not see them until, until August, you know, we don't know. So it's a long period of time. And, and obviously we, we, we try to focus on everything with nutrition, strength training, mobility, but the, the, the big concerns I have, Joe and, and Mike really right now are coming back and having the, the, the fitness ramp up too fast. You know, we have to, we have to make sure that we do that gradual progression and we have a great relationship with the coaches. So, you know, I'm confident that's going to happen, but we all know that, once we get the go that, that we're able to come back, coaches are going to be excited as they should be. And we just need to make sure that they, they progress properly. And, and the last thing we want to have happen is, is that any athlete come back and um, progress them too quick. And they, they, you know, pull a hamstring or hurt their Achilles or do something, do something, you know, where it could potentially hold them back. So I would say the, the detraining and the soft tissue are, are the big concerns I have. And then the mindset, the mindset of, I mean, let's be honest, there's, there's so much confusion out there and concern as to exactly what's happening. You know, that, that mindset of athletes wanting to come back. And, and I know the majority of athletes are going to want to come back, but that's a concern too, is everybody's handling this differently. And, and I think that the mindset is, is a big piece of it. Yeah. You know what, my other thing, and I, I've, I've been thinking about this a lot, you know, because gyms aren't open and when they start to become open and the requirements that you're going to have as far as wearing a mask and stuff. Most people aren't good taking in their air as it is. Now you're going to have something over your face. I get that type of training has happened. You know, you do the altitude type of training. Yeah. People aren't going to be used to this. My big concern is somebody going down, taking yeah. in too much carbon dioxide going. And now we go, oh, okay, you know what? It's bad. We shouldn't be wearing these masks. No shit do yeah. that already, you know? So that, 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 that's a great point. And, you know, right now we, you know, again, we're going to follow the guidelines from the state and from the NCAA. So, so we don't know exactly how it's going to look. We, we have our, we're putting our plan in place when the athletes return. And obviously it's, it's going to be much different than what they're used to. I mean, we're going to have limited amount of people in the weight room. It's going to have to be very, very, very structured how they walk in, how they leave sanitizing everything and we, we have a fantastic uh, crew there to, to handle that but it I agree with you like all of these things where you know if you are required to wear a mask I mean that that's very challenging for people just general now all of a sudden you're, you're exercising and working out so if we have to go that route I, I think you have to to be trained to learn how to do that but but in all honesty Joe it, the more training that we can do outside I'm going to push for that like yeah. if we obviously stay in small groups, but when we get back, I'm a huge advocate of training outside. Yes. And well, the time on Facebook running around outside. Yes. Yes. And they yeah, should, you know, and we can, Mike's always out there. Yeah. We, 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 we can all be creative when, with our exercises and, you know, you can bring kettlebells outside, you can bring resistance bands outside. Obviously you can sprint. So for me, reducing the, the likelihood of athletes 
getting sick, I, I would much rather bring them in. But obviously, we're, we're going to be in the weight room too. We just have to have that balancing act and and make sure that we have um, you know the right you know procedures in place. But you bring up a great point about breathing, and 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 I put a I put a huge emphasis on that with with our athletes. Like I'm a you know a book that I read a couple of years ago was The Oxygen Advantage, and it it it, it honestly it changed me. It completely changed me because you know I used to think I was. In- oh, let me write it down. The Oxygen Advantage. Oxygen Advantage. So what, what I'm always stressing to the athletes, and, and you guys know how it is, when you tell an athlete to breathe, they look at you and say, well, coach, I, I breathe all day long. What, what, what are you talking about? So for me, what I try to have the athletes do is to learn how to breathe in through their nose and out through their mouth. Like if you can do that, to me, that, that's a huge win. And then if you can get to the point where it's nose, nose, even better, which is extremely, extremely challenging. Right. But realistically, right now, I'm telling our athletes, hey, hey, you know, to the men and to the women, Right now, it, there's never been a better time for you to learn how to breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. Like, I really, I really believe that. As boring and- as this sounds, this is exactly what I tell, because this is what I say all day long. I encourage you to breathe. It's a good thing to do every day, right? But let's, yeah. let's smell the flower, and then when you're blowing out, I want to see you blow out like you're blowing out birthday candles, not as if you're trying to see the air like on a cold day. Right, so like you think this whole COVID like thing is going to increase the cardiorespiratory advantage <laughs> of all athletes now? Because we're going to adapt to training. I mean, it's like that duct tape training challenge that I did, where you got to do a workout with duct tape over your mouth. You know. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you bring up a good point. Like I look at it right now, like when when athletes come back, whether it's high school athletes, college athletes, the the season is could potentially be shortened. And really those athletes that are taking advantage of right now, the fitness, like you're going to have a huge advantage over people. So obviously go outside, be safe, do all the precautions. But what I'm telling my athletes right now is like, Hey guys, you can go for a run. Like, you know, your fitness, give me 30 minutes, give me 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. And if you incorporate that breathing into it, it it's going to maybe take you to another level. And, and Hey, all we have right now is time. Like we just have time to practice. this. I know for me, when I, when I first started to learn how to breathe in through my nose, out through my mouth, I, like, again, I thought I was in pretty good shape. I've done marathons and things like that. I didn't even get to the end of my block, like running at, before I had to stop because I started like hyperventilating because I, yeah. yeah. I used to be a mouth breather. Right. Yeah. So, so I really had to train myself to breathe in through my nose and out through my mouth. And it, I'd say it took if me. You're a, saying it, I'm doing it. I'm over here. Yeah. It, it, it took me, it took me a good year before I honestly said, you know what, I'm pretty good. And the way I look at it now is because I follow a lot of the PRI, Postural Restoration Institute concepts, and, and mm-hmm. they put a big emphasis on diaphragmatic breathing and the position of your pelvis and your rib cage. And long story short, what I try to get across to my athletes, I say, listen, easiest way to improve your conditioning is to improve your breathing. Like if you could just become, and then we all know Bingo. it kicks your recovery. So the session ends, give me a few minutes of, of some focused breathing and then go do what you got to do instead of like jumping on your phone and checking text messages. So, yeah, I mean, you bring up a good point, Mike. I mean, so, some athletes may come back, uh, you know, I'm hopeful athletes going to come back in better shape and, and maybe have developed some new habits. So that kind of transition into this, Kevin, what does a, um, you know, I guess a typical uh, year would look like for a Villanova soccer athlete? Like where are they – off season, in season, because as a PT, 
the thing that I see a lot is, you know, obviously with the pressure of high school soccer and wanting to get recruited and things like that, it's soccer, soccer, soccer all year round. But it's not even just in soccer. It's in all sports. But even in other type of sports, too, whether it's just um, young professionals getting involved in something that's not team related. Maybe it's marathon running. It's CrossFit, obstacle course racing, whatever. It's always a specificity and they're never taking a step back to actually work on the foundational components and the things that Joe and I are seeing with these athletes is there's ankle mobility issues. They can't even stand on one leg. The breathing is off. The squats look atrocious and no, they're not taking time to work on these foundational components and they're trying to build this fancy mansion up on top of a foundation that is crumbling and then it just collapses and they say, "Where, where am I at? Or they're constantly playing through these injuries, you know, just band-aiding yeah. themselves up and they're not taking the time to actually focus on this. So I guess, what does it look like for the Villanova athlete? What are you doing to make sure that maybe these athletes, maybe without giving away too many secrets as to what Villanova <laughs> does, but you know, that they have the foundation. So they're basically doing the exercises that as like Kelly Starr says, speak the language of the sport. Are we doing the right things that are translating to soccer? So they right. can have a successful season minimize these injuries and basically be healthy so they can do what they need to do yeah i mean that, that that's a great question obviously my number one one goal is to keep athletes healthy and safe that, that that's the goal because we all know soccer players they love to play soccer like that that's what they love to do it's just like basketball players basketball players love to play basketball like you know so many sports performance coaches and strength coaches think like oh my guys are gonna love they, they're gonna love lifting weights and, and some people do some female athletes do some male athletes do but some people just, like you said, would just rather play the sport seven days a week. So I, for us, I'm very fortunate at Villanova where I have a very, very supportive sports performance staff and I have a very supportive coaching staff that allows us to, to, to really work with and develop the athletes. And for us, I mean, we, like, for example, like right now, you know, in the summer, you know, we're trying to build up their aerobic capacity, trying to build up their strength. I mean, right now, I think this is, a, like I'll say, the men's and women's team, build up their strength work on a lot of mobility. I mean, and, and you bring up a good point about Kelly Starrett. Like we use a lot of his stuff, but you know, we're, we're really trying to look at an athlete holistically and just say, Hey, okay, we have your nutrition. We have your training. We have your sport. We have your recovery. We have your mindset. And we're trying to really kind of focus on all of these things. Now you can't do everything at once, but I mean, throughout a typical year, like in the summer right now, building their aerobic capacity, I'm a huge believer in sprinting. I, I think, you know soccer players and don't get me wrong if you want to go for a one mile run or two mile run because that makes you feel good that's fine like i'm fine with that but are we getting in those sprints are we getting in that strength work are we building that foundation hey on a saturday you want to go for a run longer run knock yourself out that's Mm -hmm. fine but let's make sure we're we're taking care of these big rocks first so in the summertime we're just trying to build that big aerobic capacity work on that sprint ability, work on that repeat of sprint ability. Because when they come into camp, we all know it's going to be a grind. It's, it's, it's two days. It's our train, our weight room time. We'll probably go from three days a week down to about two days a week. And, right. yeah. and, and a lot of times, I'll be honest, in camp, sometimes we won't even get in the weight room. We'll just have to do things on the field. So we'll have right. to be more body weighted at that point. Yeah. And, and, and that's fine. Like, that's great. But the coaches, they allow me to do that. And they're, they're fantastic. Then we go through the season. And the season we try to get into the weight room a couple days a week because, 
I, I do think that foundation of strength training is really, really important. Now, I'd be lying to say if we always get in twice a week, but that's, that's the kind of goal we have. Right. And in the wintertime is where that foundation again comes back, where we put more emphasis on, on strength training again when the season's over. And then we go into spring ball. So right now, as we get closer to camp, like once we, we get some good news from the state and the NCAA, and they kind of say, hey, we're going to come back, you know, we'll, we'll start to ramp things up more and more. And as we get closer to camp, we'll do maybe a little bit more glycolytic training to get them used to camp. But for me right now, I want to say, are you strength training? Are you focusing on your mobility? Are you focusing on, on your big aerobic capacity? Can you build those lungs? Can you work on your breathing? Mm -hmm. And then are you running sprints? Because the last thing I want to have happen is for our athletes to be, be training, but they're, you know, they're not really running sprints. And, right. and they're, just right. kind of they're doing running, running miles. Like, like they're, they're, they're told that their test is going to be that two mile, which you knew as soon as Mike, Mike's up there going, he's going to ask the two mile question. Cause yeah. that was kind of the thing that kind of sparked this in the first place was that post that I made. Yep. And I wasn't saying that anything was right or wrong. My, right. my, question was why two miles is it an right. arbitrary test that was handed down from a coach in the 70s that said we just got to run it but we don't know why we're running it let's find one day a week run yeah. long use that as as a as a as a you know a flush day whatever right right but you got to get back to running sprints because that's what the game of soccer is and it's sprint or speed endurance, so it's constant. Yeah, the energy system, the energy system doesn't equate. You so know? What do you? What would you? What are some of the programming over the summer? What are they doing? What type of sprints? Is it ten yards? Is it twenty-five yarders? Is it? Yeah, we'll, we'll do a lot of we'll do a lot of flying sprints. So basically, have the athletes. Let's just say, for example, they'll start at, at a cone and they'll build up their pace over twenty to thirty yards, progressively getting faster, and then when they hit that cone. They're as fast as they can for, for 10 yards. And we'll normally start with about 10 yards. And I'll probably only build them up, honestly, to about 30 yards, maybe 40 yards. But truthfully, after 30 yards, they're not going any faster. Like, they're not going any faster. And the risk first reward probably isn't there. So I'll do a lot of hill sprints. I'll do a lot of fly-in sprints. And then we'll, we'll start to get a little bit, as we get closer to the season, some reactive-type movements. So where, in a perfect world, they can react with somebody, hopefully, again, in, in two or three weeks, we get to, to work out with each other a little bit more. You can react off of somebody. Gotcha. But you're one another. Exactly, exactly. The sprints for us are going to be, uh, you know, at the, at the most would probably be a 40-yard a sprint because, you know, if you're sprinting 100 yards, I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe at college you can hold that pace and you can look good. But high school kids, there's no shot. There's no shot that a high school kid is going to look really good for 100 yards unless he's a sprinter. If he's a sprinter or she's a sprinter, different story. But right. for a soccer player, and the one thing that, that soccer, you know, coaches love to do is they, they want to do everything with the ball. Like, you know, a lot of, a lot of coaches, which I get, I, I get that. But for me, sprint training, you, you can run faster without the ball. So I want to, hey, you can do some sprints with the ball. That's fine. But I really want to see some full max effort repeat sprints without the ball. Velocity without a ball, right, right. Yeah, you, you have to. What does their strength training look like? What type of movements are you doing with them? Because even at the high school level, I feel like a lot of these kids are going into the weight room and they're just, it's like free for all, just lift. 
And, you know, the guys are doing, like, mirror muscle stuff. The girls, I don't even know what they're doing. They don't really understand what I ask. I'm like, what stuff are you doing? They're like, yeah, we just do some things. And I introduce them to stuff in PT. Like, yeah, I've never done this before. So yeah. what are you doing with them? Like, what things are you, you know, seeing as a foundation for them? Yeah, I, I, I you know, on the one hand, I, I always do really feel bad for high school coaches because – you know, you're on a limited budget and sometimes the head coach is the strength and conditioning coach and you're kind of going in there and you're doing back and buys and arms and a leg extension machine. And I always say like training in a high school environment is a very dangerous place. It's a very, very dangerous place <laughs> because a lot of kids don't know what they're doing. Yeah. You know, they need to work with you guys. But for us, what we're trying to, we're, we're working on the basics. So for us, we're, we're going we're gonna to do deadlifts. We're going to do a lot of front squats. I'll be honest with you. I don't really do a lot of back squats and it's not that I don't, not that I did not that I don't like back squats. Yeah. I really first the reward. It's yeah. just not worth it for me. So right. I'll do front yep. squats, a lot of goblet squats. Right. Um, it in front of us. Yep. Yeah. I've seen a lot of translation with the anterior load to translate into the core and it just doesn't destroy the posterior chain as much as back squats do. It's just, I think, back squats there was a lot of focus on it because it was like the big boy move how much can you back squat but the load on the spine especially in season yeah. i mean just uh, you're right the risk versus reward you could do a lot more mike boyle does that he gets a heavy goblet and he just has the kids do that the breakdown isn't as much and it's just a little bit safer you know a little bit you know uh it's a little bit more translation a lot of that front low position gets the core a little bit more than that you know a little more extension in the back so yeah a little bit of translation to that even uh Travis Mash for the uh, USA uh, Olympic lifting. When he's on podcast, talks about a lot of the translation of the front squat into those functions. And we do we do a lot of split squat variations. Yes. Okay. Like, like so for me, I I want my athletes to know how to goblet squat. I want them to know how to deadlift bilaterally. But to be honest with you, once they feel really comfortable there and gain some good strength, I'm going to do a lot of split squat and a lot of single leg variation exercises, just because. Number one, like you said, it's, it's a lot less load on their spine, okay? I think it transfers a little better to, to their sport. And, and, and I think it's, it's the, the risk versus reward is, is much better. We'll do a lot of pull-ups, a lot of push-ups. I mean, all of those movements, I think, carry over. And then at the end of the day, you know, no, nothing beats sprinting. Like, you can't find a, an exercise in the weight room that mimics sprinting and, and that velocity and that plyometric. So for us, Mike, I mean, it's one of these things – you know, we don't Olympic lift and it's not because I don't like Olympic lifting. It's because you don't see college athletes that much. I mean, you know, you're right, with, right. with them. If it's I, a whole I, process I, of teaching that on top of it. So it's, I mean, it's. Yeah. If yeah, I need them, someone knows how to coach that. Yeah. I mean, like so Olympic lifting, I, you know, I think Olympic lifting is great. You know, if, if you really are going to invest the time into learning how to do it, like if you're going to teach a kid how to do a hand clean, like, that's not, you're not taught in one session. Like you, that, that's, you have to have that progression. I'd rather, I'd rather have an athlete go out and do medicine ball training. We, we do a lot of medicine ball work. And, and again, it's whether it's functional or whatever you want to call it, but the truth of the matter is it's, it's a little bit more dynamic. I think it has a better transfer over to what they're, what they're going to do on the field. And I think it's, I think it's safer. Yeah. And I mean, you could even look at the specificity of that movement is being under an Olympic bar going to be translation to soccer. You know, they really have to worry about moving under a bar that fast, whereas it might translate more to a sport, football, you know, yeah. rugby, things like that. But you could probably get that same maybe power movement or that central nervous system taxing with a kettlebell. You could do a hand clean with a kettlebell or even a dumbbell single arm DB snatch to work that translation of getting down 
or even trying to retrain the power for jumping. You know, I think a lot of the kids maybe underestimate how much they jump and there is some plyometrics in soccer, you know. Exactly. Um, yeah, do you have a Vertimax at Villanova? We, we, we do, actually, to be honest with you, we, we actually got rid of them. And it, we, you know, the reason we got rid of them was just because we weren't utilizing them that much. We do a lot of training with resistance bands, but okay. it, we just, the amount of athletes we have coming in there and the transition time to, to hook them up and, and to, to get athletes in there. So we just said, hey, you know what? We're, we're going to do a lot of stuff with resistance bands, a lot of explosive kettlebell work, a lot of jumping without bands. And, um, you know, so the previous coaches had bought that. And, and I think the Vertimax is great. Don't get me wrong. I think it's great. It just didn't work in our system simply right. because we had the volume of athletes we had coming in gotcha. there. It, yeah, yeah. it just, you know, in a private setting, I think fantastic. I use that's My point was that I, I use a bar and we do hang pulls with the resistance instead of trying to go and teach the whole hang clean. Yeah. Because – Again, it's going to take up so much time. I only had so much time with them as well. Wrist so we mobility, shoulder that. mobility things. Exactly. Yeah. We, just, we just work on the hand clean, you know, and, um, you know, not also buckle them in for, for vertical jumping, but I see what you're saying there. There's just too much volume coming in that by the time you get two or three athletes on there, you've wasted an entire session. Yeah, and for, for me, my whole philosophy, like to be honest, if I could get – our female players and our male, and we have a, we have a fantastic, um, her name's Sabrina Murphy. She's a great uh, sports performance coach for us who works with, with our women's team. You know, if we could get our athletes doing some really good heavy kettlebell swings, like nice and explosive, really good split squat variations, a good clean pull-up, uh, you know, good push-ups, good lateral movement side to side, all kinds of lunge variations. I'll be honest with you, I'm really happy. Like, I'm really happy. That, that checks a lot of boxes for us. And then we know that you know, I always say you, you can't prevent an injury, but you can greatly reduce the chances of getting hurt. And, yeah. and plus, yeah. you know, if we can do that, then hopefully our athletes can go out there and, and, and feel good and play at a high level. Now, Kevin, what are you guys doing maybe as preseason or in-season type screenings to see these things creeping up? So right now, um, you know, Joe and I are, are using, because I took recently the fundamental capacity screen through functional movement systems with uh, awesome. you know, those guys. And, uh, been using a lot more and now this is really cool because this wasn't available five even ten years ago so we just had the fms and the sfma but now this starts to look at what if the kid or the athlete moves really well they look really stable but now you got to load them under see their power their impact control energy storing what happens when you ask them to push off or land on one leg or how well can they recycle energy to like a double or triple broad jump and now we could actually see those numbers see if there's asymmetries between each limb. And this is a cool thing where we could even, even go back a little further and you could screen ankle mobility. Maybe they can't energy store on that one leg because the ankle's locked up and they never even yeah. thought about it. So we could look at it before season, see the numbers, see where they are. It helps us curtail the training and what they need to do. And then we could look at it, say maybe playoffs are coming. Let's take a look at what's going on. Where are your numbers? So this way we don't go down with an ACL in the playoffs. You know, right. maybe what type of stuff are you guys doing? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great question. One, one thing I, I didn't mention, I'm also, I'm also a licensed massage therapist too. So I do, I do a handful of, of table assessments. So it's one of those things where like I will do with some athletes, you know, FMS or variations of that. We don't, I'll be honest with you, we don't have a standardized assessment for all of our athletes. We have over 600 athletes, so we don't have a standardized system there. But it's something that we've been talking about, like, hey, do we want to try to standardize things? Because we're always doing, you know, vertical jump mat tests. We're always, I feel like we're assessing as we're warming up 
But one thing I've started doing a lot over the last year was a lot of table assessments where I will have athletes come up and do some different PRI evaluations. So we'll do, I mean, like FMS, we'll do an active straight leg raise. We'll do a shoulder mobility. Um, I'll do an adduction drop test or a Thomas test and different things like that just to kind of assess how an athlete's their range of motion in their hips, how their hip internal rotation, how their external rotation is. Um, a lot of assessments on breathing. I, I you know I'm always, always assessing, you know, how an athlete breathes. I mean, first time I work with every athlete is, hey, let me, let me see your breathing patterns. And really, Mike, one of the most basic assessments I do literally is just, hey, can you touch your toes? I mean, to me, that tells a lot about an athlete just in yeah, terms of, yeah. <laughs> of their range of motion. Should they be deadlifting? Should they not be deadlifting? Yeah. yeah. And for us, we're always, you know, when we're always going to have the athletes jump and assess that to see, hey, how are you jumping? How are you landing? Stepping off a box? You know, but it's one of those things where we don't have an act as standardized to say every single athlete runs through this outside of like fly in 10 sprint times and vertical jump mat times but it's something that we'll probably try to incorporate. But I feel like we're always watching athletes move. Like we know, we know that most, and, and you can't always say all soccer players, but we know a lot of them are probably going to lack some ankle mobility. You know, we know a lot of, a lot of male athletes are going to lack hip internal rotation. So let's try to, you know, incorporate some corrective exercises into that. So um, one of the, one of the number one assessments I do with, with female athletes is I said like a toe touch, but, the other thing I want to see is, hey, can you palm the ground? So that puts up a red flag for me is, yeah. is we yeah. all know those athletes that, that can palm the ground. I do that with every female. A viper mobile. Yeah. Yeah. Every, every female athlete I work with, you know, and, and they palm the ground, yet they still say their, their hamstrings are tight. So yes. we all know yeah. that, that puts up a red flag. So I, I used to do like very detailed and have athletes on the table for 30 to 40 minutes. Now for me, honestly – I look at some shoulder mobility. I look at their breathing. I look at their toe touch. I see how they squat. And then how do they move? I mean, how do they just move when they walk into the weight room? So, you know, it's not so much a standardized check, 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 but it's stuff that we're constantly looking at. But you bring up some good points because we've had people come to us and say, hey, we want to put in some force plates and we want to see how your weight is distributed. That's obviously very expensive and it's not, it's out of our budget now, but I think that is some great stuff to do. Well, yeah, the great thing with this is it's just an FMS kit and you have uh, yard tape. So awesome. you know, if you yeah. ever want to come check it out, maybe we even get over at yeah. Fit Life and show you it. Uh, maybe bring yeah. an athlete or two and have them test it. But it, are, it is screenings that we're starting to do with these high school players now. Um, we're basically having them come in. And sometimes even if they're coming off an injury, you have that return to sport test, which is the uh, single leg, the, the hop, yep. the triple hop, all that. Great. But if they can't even stand on one leg or their ankles locked up or their single leg squat looks atrocious or there's an asymmetry, they're not even ready to do that test yet. So now we dial it back and we do this motor control screen. Uh, it even has a horizontal reach where you look at their core and then yeah, we, do, awesome. yeah, we do the, the capacity screen where you look at the jumps and you look at the quality of it. And before each thing they do a warm up. And if you're seeing some really bad movements in that and they can't correct it, you just nix the test because they're just going to hurt themselves. Yeah. But it's pretty cool because you get the data, they see it, the parent sees it, coach sees it, and then you have, like I said, you have the data there with the numbers and the values where they're supposed to be, you know, and uh, these guys come up with it through the research. I mean, those guys at FMS are just brilliant. So then we have some cool stuff to look off of and then see, well, if they're going through a season and something's happening, are we compensating somewhere or what can we do in their training programs to prevent this side from creeping up more? 
I mean, it was just a natural thing. Maybe, you know, hey, if you if you kick dominant on your right leg, we're going to get a little bit more stuff there. So maybe we got to, you know, do a little bit more on one side. But it kind of shows us where things are creeping up and catch these things before these kids get stuff like ACL injuries because they're common, but it doesn't mean it's normal. I mean, these things are long rehabs, and the parents and the kids are anxious to get back. And I'm like, a lot of it's Mother Nature. We got to wait. And if you go back too soon, we're going through this all over again. So we can prevent yeah. this or minimize – the severity, I mean, that could be huge. So, well, I, I think you bring up you bring up a great point because, like, basically, you would say like, "Hey, how do we handle the the, the kids at, at Villanova?" And I I've been fortunate. I've worked with a lot of I've worked with kids, you know, young athletes, high school athletes, or whatever. And and you made a good point of, "Hey, if we can catch this when they're in high school, because we we all know, okay, so you get to college, you've already developed some probably bad habits, bad habits of maybe not training if you if they don't work with with sports performance coaches or or physical therapists who really know what they're doing. They might've developed some bad habits, but they're really good soccer players and they're really good basketball players. So they, they, they're really good at compensating. However, I, when, if you're right now, let's say you have eighth graders or freshmen coming in and you're able to do these assessments and this FMS and everything, and you catch some things early, well, that's fantastic. I mean, you know, as a parent, I could, you come to me and say, Hey, Kev, you know what? Your son, you know, his, he's asymmetrical here. We see this here. He's a high risk here. As a parent, I, I feel extremely comfortable because now I'm like, hey, you know what? You know, Joe and Mike, they're, they're really taking care of, of my athletes. So, I mean, you bring up a great point. And, and really, I, I think a coach should always be assessing. Like, you should always be assessing. And, again, it doesn't have to be so detailed. It can be so detailed. But just, hey, how does an athlete walk? How do they carry themselves? Tell them as soon as they walk in the door, I'm watching them. Like, I watch, are your shoulders down? Are you giving me the big, like, wave or you're like you know you pissed yep. off because you're here like did you eat yep. before you got here are you hydrated you know did you sleep well last night how was zoom yeah, fms yeah. has a questionnaire about that they started implementing it's an athlete questionnaire to look at that stress levels how are you feeling do you feel tired stressed you know i mean we know how it is high school athletes college athletes even just that age group you know how well are they uh you know going with stuff you know like what type of stressors do they have you know, and they, they got a lot. They got a and lot. And so there's a lot of underlying things. Is there like a divorce going on? Is there boyfriend, girlfriend issues, underlying things that they don't express, but it's going to take a toll on their central nervous system that we're not aware of. And then that is a big performance measure that even Greg Cook said, he said, you have the mobility, you have the stability, you have strength. But what about these other external factors, stress down, yeah. all these other things that maybe your performance is just not there that day, you know? Yeah, and and I'll be honest, with you, and and I didn't come up with this phrase. I, I heard it in a podcast. Like, you know, I consider my job as a stress manager. Like, that's that's really what I consider myself as. And 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 the students at Villanova and the high school kids you work with. I mean, Villanova obviously academically very very challenging. Yep. Being a college kid, trying to have a social life, very challenging. And then being a Division one athlete, I can't imagine because I wasn't good enough to be a Division one athlete. So it's like, how do you do all of these things? Oh, and by the way, we want you to wake up and come in and lift at six in the morning. It's like something's right. got. Something's got to give. So I always look at our role as I think the best coaches can can read athletes. Like Joe was saying, how, when you walk in, do you have a smile on your face? Are you excited to be there? You know that that that's a great sign for me. You know, and you just you read these athletes and you manage their stress and 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 know our role as a sports performance coach or a physical therapist. Like at, at Villanova. I'm very fortunate because we have a very good sports medicine department and we work really well together. And just like you guys work together, we have to work together. So you have to have that collective team. It's, it's not just me. It's not just our other coaches. Like is everybody holistically taking care of these athletes? 
and, and putting their interest at, at best. And that's what I think, you know, we're doing. And, and I know it's what you guys are doing. And, and you hopefully put the athlete on the field and, and in the best position to succeed. Because, I, you know, with you guys working with high school athletes, I always say the best coaches, honestly, need to be at the high school level. Like, I really do. Because you're, that's the foundation. That's yeah. the foundation yeah. of, like, hey, yeah. if you can take a kid for high school, grade coming into freshman year and you have them for four years like you you make my job very 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 easy you send a you send a girl to villanova and you're like kevin perfect kettlebell swing she's this she's that she can sprint it's like you got a coach like that that's what you want right well it's what you know all these high level trainers and guys say when it's the podcast the guys who work with pros at any level you know the good trainer isn't the one that takes you know a physical specimen and you know, make some better. He's already there. He probably doesn't know how to do something. And your job is not yeah. to mess him up or her up. It's who could take the one that's just like a motor moron and a mess and totally build them yeah. up. That's a really good trainer. Hey, guys, I'm on the two minute warning here on the, uh, on the zoom. So okay. before we get into anything else, I would love to have Kevin back on again. Cause that, that's this good. Was awesome. Yeah. But I want to make sure that you're able to tell everyone where they can find you and, and things like that. Where where do you kind of where do you sit on the social media platforms? Yeah, for me, I you know I just do most of my stuff honestly just on on Instagram, KevinMillerTraining.com, and awesome. uh, and, and you know anybody anybody has any questions, you know I, I'll be happy to speak to you, answer any questions. And again, I over the years, I, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. So I, I, I've made a lot of mistakes. I've made a lot of mistakes. So if there's young coaches, older coaches who want to just share some ideas, you know, I'd be happy to help you. And again, I, 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 I work with a lot of soccer players, but I feel extremely comfortable working with, you know, football players and basketball players and so, and you know, any sport out there. Cause at the end right. of the day, my, my whole philosophy is just to make you better. Michael, where can they find you real quick? Uh, Instagram at iCourse St. George. The clinic is also at Excel Southampton. Awesome. You can find me at Coach underscore Haas, H-O-S. Kevin, thank you very much. We made it just in time. All right, boys. Take, take care of yourself.